0: Will part three of More Than Meets the Eye spell the doom for the Autobots or is this series destined to continue? This is Matt Freitz and we're gonna get into it this time on Energon Entries. up everyone welcome to episode three of energon entries a transformers podcast i am your host matt Freites. i hope this finds you well and i hope that you are having a great day i want to thank you for tuning into this episode Hope that you enjoyed the last episode where I broke down more than Meets the Eye Part 2, some of the quirks that happened. And so we're going to get into Part 3 this time as we get into the conclusion of this very long pilot, what ends up being almost an hour-long pilot. And when we start this episode, we're at the end where Optimus Prime has fallen over and all these different things. And right off the bat, we get Wheeljack coming in. Now, Wheeljack was always one of my favorites when I was a kid because for some reason I loved the way that he talked and I loved the way that those things flashed on the side of his face. He had a different look than a lot of the other Autobots. Optimus Prime had that sort of triangular thing that went up and down. Some of the other Autobots over the course of time would end up developing that along with Soundwave and some other Decepticons. But it was an iconic look in terms of how Wheeljack looked because nobody else really looked like that. And so Wheeljack comes in and I noticed that his voice is a little bit different than what I remember. It has a little bit more of a southern tinge to it or a southern twang to it as he's talking to Spike. But I think overall, though, that was sort of a minor misstep that we saw. But this is just something that's always going to happen. So Optimus Prime falls over and Wheeljack's looking at him and they're trying to figure out, hey, can you transform? Can we get you back to base and all this other stuff? And ultimately it it happens, right? He's able to get back there and all these different things. But one of the things I noticed is that it seems like the Decepticons are always kind of a step ahead of the Autobots, at least up until this point point. It seems like the Autobots are very, very reactionary. It's like, oh no, the Decepticons are doing something. We've got to go stop them. And they haven't yet reached the point of being able to be proactive about this. And maybe that's because they have just really only been on Earth for a very, very short amount of time. In terms of timeline of these three episodes, I have to assume that all of these things happened in a very, very short amount of time. Everybody, including the Decepticons and Autobots, woke up. The Decepticons try to get energy because they want to get home. The Autobots find out that they have to stop them. all these different things. I have to assume this all happens in a very, very short amount of time. And at the end of this episode, as I'm watching it in my head, is going to spell a little bit of a time warp or a time jump after the episode is over. So that's just something that went through my mind as I was watching it. And I'm thinking, wow, a lot of these things happen very, very quickly. The world is introduced to the Transformers in a very, very violent way. But when I say that it seems like the Decepticons are a step ahead, after they make sure Optimus Prime is okay, after the Decepticons escape the Burma mines and all that stuff, they're flying away and Ironhide just doesn't want to take that sitting down. So he decides that he's going to fly to go after the entire fleet of Decepticons. Blue Streak ends up going after him to try to convince him otherwise, or at least try to give him some semblance of backup. But this is a moment where I'm like, the entire fleet of Decepticons is out there, and Ironhide is just going to fly up there, which again, this is another instance of I didn't think that the Autobots actually could fly very much. The Decepticons have flown since the beginning of the series. The Autobots seem like they turned into cars because they actually had to drive a lot of different places. So, another continuity issue that I'm just very confused about, but I'm sure that it will be cleared up as we go along. again, this is a pilot, so I have to remember that as I'm watching it to think, okay, maybe the things that we see in here aren't going to end up happening throughout the series because they just really haven't established themselves yet. I have to assume that they wrote this episode or these three episodes thinking that we're going to give this, they're all three episodes to some producers and hopefully this is going to get us a long-term contract for a show. And so they're just trying to have a lot of things happening in a three-episode series, but also having some type of a finite conclusion. And then once they get picked up for more episodes, they're going to be a little bit more, they're going to be a little bit better about the continuity of the show. So that's just something that went through my mind as I'm watching it and we will see as we get on here. But the Autobots seem to make careless mistakes. Like I said, They're underestimating Megatron's leadership ability. Just because they blast rocks around them or blow them up doesn't mean that they're going to be stuck in this cave. They have fusion cannons and all these weapons. Like rocks really aren't going to be something that's going to hold them back. The Earth, in terms of the geography, in terms of how it is made, is nothing compared to Cybertron. And if you think about what the war for Cybertron actually did to that planet, which is an entire robotic metal planet, the Earth is just not going to be able to keep up. So they've got to think that there's nothing that they can do that's going to keep Megatron down outside of killing him. And they always assume that they're always gone. Whenever something bad happens to the Decepticons, the Decepticons are gone for good. Why would you assume that? You haven't been able to put them down yet. When you were on Cybertron, they took over the planet. So just because you have one minor moment of victory doesn't mean that the war is over. But Optimus Prime always seems to be the level-headed guy in this. He always seems to be the one to be like, I'm not really sure. So Ironhide obviously goes up there and Skywarp ends up showing off one of his powers by being able to teleport and he shoots down Ironhide and Blue Streak has to save him. And that's where we see Jazz with, again, that hook thing that we saw in episode two. So all these secondary powers are obviously coming in handy. So the humans, the other thing too, is we see more humans that are not Spike or Sparkplug. And I've noticed that the voices seem to be a little bit repeating. Some of these humans have very, very similar voices to some of the Autobots and even some of the Decepticons. I'm not sure if this will continue as the series continues, but it was just something that I happened to pick up on. And I thought that it was very, very interesting watching this and listening because it's like they must have had a very very finite amount of people to work on this but overall in the episode we again see Hound flex his muscles with a huge hologram of this naval base or like army base that Megatron wants to take over but it's interesting because the Autobots they capture Ravage and they end up letting him go on purpose because they want to give information or feed information to Megatron so they can bring a trap on him and this is where I say that they underestimate Megatron because Megatron sees this and is like wait a minute I know what they're trying to do here we're gonna fake them out too so the Decepticons end up putting out like dummy Decepticons for the Autobots to fight and then they get had again. I just don't understand how this continues to happen. Meanwhile, all these things are happening. The Autobots are trying to again be reactive. They're trying to stop Megatron from doing all these things. But yet Megatron's new ship ends up getting built and is complete and they have the energy to blast off. And so at one point, basically Optimus Prime does the Wrath of Con thing where he's like, Megatron! And you just want to be like, Con, Con, And it's kind of of cheesy in the moment when I'm watching and I'm thinking, Optimus Prime wouldn't do that. Obviously, he's desperate to make sure that Megatron's not going to win, but to have that kind of a reaction when, no offense, but this whole time, you could have been doing a little bit more reconnaissance and the Decepticons just seem to have more of their crap together because they got this ship to actually blast off. Now, one of the fun things is that these other secondary powers that I talked about, Mirage ends up going on and sabotaging the new ship and the ship crash lands into the ocean. I can understand the Autobots kind of feeling like there's a finality to them crashing in the ocean. But again, we have no idea whether the ship actually survived. We don't know if there was an explosion. And again, Megatron seems to be able to survive everything. So we get to the end of this episode and it seems like it's kind of finite. It seems like to a point, okay, if this is the end, we have three episodes and we have a pretty finite end. The Decepticons have been defeated. The day has been won and everything feels really, really good. And I think had they ended it there, Even if there was never another episode, you got three episodes, you got some pretty decent content, some pretty fun animation, and just pretty fun cartoons in general. But at the very end, Megatron sneaks out of this little hatch and is perfectly fine. The ship seems to be almost perfectly intact, and it seems like it's a cliffhanger to, uh uh-oh, dun-dun-dun, the Decepticons are still around. But the Autobots have been celebrating as if this is the end and all that kind of stuff. One thing I did notice is that in the final battle before the ship actually took off as many of the end credits were taken from this episode, almost exactly from this episode. So whenever they roll to the credits, I'm like, wait a minute, I just watched this. This is very, very interesting. And the other part that's funny is when Mirage is on the new Decepticon ship, that ship detects that there is an Autobot or an intruder immediately. And now we've seen twice that Teletran 1 couldn't do that It's fascinating to me. And again, these are continuity issues that I don't think are important enough to derail the enjoyment of the show. It's just as an adult and as somebody who watches TV in a critical way at times, you notice these things. You're just always going to notice these things when there are interesting continuity issues that come out Overall, though, when it comes to these three episodes, it did feel like a pilot. It felt like they were trying to introduce a lot of new concepts, a lot of new characters, and get you hooked. And more importantly, anybody who was going to fund the continuation of the show hooked onto this and think, how can we make money off of this? One of the things I think that they had going for them is that this show, from what I understand, was established based off of an already purchased and existing toy line. And so they took a lot of the names or a lot of the robots and gave them names. And I have to give them credit. I thought that the names that the Autobots got were actually pretty darn clever. And the powers that they were given just in general, I thought actually worked. They gave them names that made sense for either their vehicle or their personality. And I have to give them credit that they gave them enough personality to meet either the car that they drove or the name that they had. So a lot of different things worked in tandem that I think made a lot of the Autobots very likable Even the Decepticons, to an extent, I think worked out. Thundercracker obviously had more firepower. Skywarp was able to teleport, things like that. Soundwave was a tape machine. Reflector was a camera. A lot of the things actually worked. And so I think that they did a great job of giving you names that were memorable and giving you personalities that were memorable. And now that this episode or this trio of episodes is over, you feel like, okay, this is a fun little ride. Even if it was an hour-long miniseries movie, it was a good time and the Autobots did a lot of good things. But you took some observations. observations away. And, oh, by the way, this may continue. And it does actually continue because obviously, as we know, history has told us that there are more episodes of the show. But as a three-piece, I thought it was fine. I remember it very fondly. It held up even with some of the voice quirks and the animation quirks and other things like that. But you know what? I can't go back in time and ask for perfection from a cartoon. It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon about robots and it's a cartoon from my childhood, from the 80s. And the only point of doing this whole podcast is does it hold up and am I having fun? And the answer to that is yes. How did you feel about these three episodes? If you want to discuss it, get in touch with me, media at gmail.com. If you want to talk to another Transformers lover and enthusiast, I would love to hear from you. I'm happy that you are listening. I hope that you're having a great time. I hope this finds you well, and I hope this finds you safe. And I will talk to you for episode four, Transport to Oblivion. This is Energon Entries. <music> The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Energon Entries are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Energon Entries is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.